0: I was telling Mark back there, we're starting to get some Old City Arbids Church habits, which is a good sign probably. We start off as a cell group. We're starting to end as a mega church. But, you know, I don't care if you get here late. It's just good to see you. You're here. And, and that's exciting. And I got my my team here. They're, they're setting up some of my props. People are kind of wondering what's going on with my apron. Well, I had other aprons to wear except this one, Bob, the the grill, the the king of the grill. I didn't mean to boast so much. It was the only clean one I had. The others had a bunch of stains on them, and I thought my wife would be upset if I was wearing a stainy apron, you know, in front of the church. But uh, good to have everybody here today. We are on the parables of Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about the parables. I'm not connecting up here. Uh, Is there, uh, you know, Jerry, you got to kind of says, make sure your keynote is open to your projection Mac. Okay. Boom, there it goes. Bam, I am. In our series on the parables of Jesus, I, I've talked on um, a few things. I, I, I started off, and we addressed the parable of the mustard seed. That's how we started off, that God uses small things. God uses what little faith we have. We think it's, we've got to have this gigantic faith to move a mountain. And God said, we just have to have faith as big as a mustard seed. I'll just take the little faith you have and what you exercise, I'll move a mountain with that thing. I don't have faith in my faith, I have faith in a powerful God, amen? Amen. We talk about God taking hopeless situations and turning them around and God having small beginnings, just like the church has had a small beginning 2,000 years ago but yet it grew and it's filling the earth and it's touching nations. I'll give you a statistic later on about that. But, the, but Jesus also said it'll grow into the greatest of all herbs. It'll grow in the greatest of all plants. Notice he didn't say the church is going to be a, you know, a redwood cedar, it didn't, It's not a sequoia. It's not going to be some giant, you know, huge fir tree. It's going to be a bush. And then we're not to try to be impressive to the world because the world will never be completely impressed with the church. We just got to get used to that. You know, we used to kind of identify, I want to be a fool for Jesus. When I got saved, it wasn't like we're, people are going to be really impressed with us. They're going to laugh at us. That's what we kind of, we just kind of expected to be fools for Jesus. And, uh, you know, we're a bush. Say to the person next to you, you're a bush, okay? You're a bush. And you're come okay, well, on, the seed turns into a bush. But he uses small, insignificant things. He has small beginnings. He works through the small things that we give him. Come on, we, 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 we have great faith in what God can do. And then Pastor Darcy last week preached a great sermon, the parable of the seed and the sower, that the word of God's going to produce a lot of things in my life. But just like seed needs good soil, the word of God to work needs good soil to work through. And that's your heart. you got to have a prepared heart, a hungry heart, a submitted heart, a, a heart full of faith to, for God to work through. And if your soil, the soil of your heart, really determines how much the Bible is going to work in your life. It's not the Bible's problem. It's the soil is the problem. So we got to make sure we have good soil. Amen? I, I spent part of my sabbatical trying to make good soil in our garden. I tried to put new compost on it. I tilled it. I turned things up. Now, I even did a Garden of Eden thing, if you're familiar with that. I put cardboard and newspaper down on that and lead and dirt on top of that to just not allow the other weeds to grow. And went out there yesterday and I saw just a little, 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 little tiny little, little thing cropping up. Sue said it was something good, just a little thing. It wasn't very encouraging. But uh, hopefully I made good soil. If I really failed in that, nothing's going to grow. And it was a great failure. But I'm believing good things will happen because we have good soil. Now today we're going to talk about the parable of the of the of the yeast parable of the yeast and what's interesting in this particular parable is that Jesus uh, uses three unique features in this particular parable and I believe some of the symbols that Jesus used he did it deliberately to shake people up and there are there are three things in this that would kind of like really shake people up. the first thing he did in this parable is that he he used the, the symbol of yeast. Now, to us, yeah, we put yeast in bread and it causes it to rise. We'll talk about that in a, in a second here. Okay, it's not nothing. But in the culture of his day, in most cases, and I'll let you know in other cases where it wasn't true, but in most cases, yeast was associated with something bad. It was a negative connotation. Uh, Even Jesus told his disciples, I want you to watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and the the scribes. Speaking of, you stay away from their false teachings. I want you to stay away from that. So what he does in this parable, he uses yeast. He uses something that uh, is really thought of as negative and something that's kind of distasteful to them as far as the symbol is concerned. People know that God uses methodologies that sometimes are offensive to religious, moralists, and legalistic people. The second thing he does is that he uses a woman. Now, in the 21st century, you say, Bob, what's such a big issue with that? It's not, but it's a huge issue 2,000 years ago. Now, the Jews did better than some of the surrounding countries that surrounded them, but they still don't get They do not get a good report card on women. Women were despised. And what Jesus uses, he uses a despised instrument in this particular parable. The third feature of this particular parable that Jesus uses, he uses an insurmountable amount of flour that wouldn't be used by a common woman baking on a daily basis in that time. He uses what he calls three measures of flour. Now, just to give you a little bit of a context, what three measures of flour looks like, Three measures of flour is 432 cups of flour. Okay, this bag is a 25-pound bag of flour. It's servings or a quarter servings. This one has 377 servings. About if you do your math, about 95 cups are in this. So basically, the, it would take almost four. I said three and a half on the first service, so I was wrong. It's going to take four and a half bags like this to make up what Jesus was talking about. Now, no woman in in Israel in 30 AD was able to make bread out of basically 90 pounds of flour in one day. That would be an impossible task. This is heavy, it's big, it's beyond measure. It's actually hyperbolic, I guess that's the way you pronounce it. It's way extreme, it's far larger than what a common person would do. Now listen to the wisdom of Jesus' parables. He uses despised instruments to do supernatural beyond normal things through methods that offend the religious and the legalistic and those who are just a big moralist that those types of things can't be done. He breaks the mold. He goes beyond. And he's done this throughout church history. And Jesus is talking about the nature of the kingdom of God. Well, let's read the parable. Parables parable is in Matthew chapter 13 and uh, verse um, 33. He says, he told them another parable saying this, the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like leaven, it's like yeast that a woman took and she hid in three measures of flour until it was all leaven. Now, I think the first thing we should probably look at is this. What does Jesus mean when he says the kingdom of, of God is like, because he says this, what's he saying? The kingdom of God is like, he's, he's saying this, how, or he's asking this, how does the kingdom of God work in our lives and in the earth? Now, there are a lot of Christians that know a lot about the promises of God. They listen, you know, I, one of the people I, I like listening to, Sue and I listened to him the other night, I like to listen to Joel Olstein. I think he is the smoothest 22 minute preacher around. And he's funny, he's articulate, and, you know, he, he's a self-improvement guy. He just makes you want to be a better person. I feel like becoming successful with a good attitude when I listen to him. Okay, I, re- I, re- I really do. And, uh, you know, a lot of people know the promises of God. They can He's quoting scripture promises to people, and everyone knows the promises of God. People have biblical literacy. They can tell you the story of the narrative of the Bible from Genesis, usually to the second coming of Jesus, if they've read some of their Bibles. But what they don't know, and I know this from my own experience, working with hundreds and hundreds of people and in my office and in classes in processing and emails, they don't know how to make these promises and these truths work for them. They don't know and they don't recognize how the kingdom of God is operating in their life and many times they don't recognize how God's bringing to pass his will in their life and they can't see it, but it's there. It's there. One of the ways that God works is this, is the kingdom of God works progressively and gradually, not instantly. How many people have noticed that? I know that we read the book of Acts and it just seems like they had a miracle every day. They got up and wow, what's going to happen today? But you got to understand it's 28 chapters covering a 30 year period. Oh 30 years. <laughs> 30 years. Yeah, 28 chapters. You can put a year to every chapter. You get one miracle a year. Right. Okay. Puts it in perspective sometimes that everything's just not instant. We want instant results. All of us do. We see we see that person they take this particular diet pill and they just look like Mr. Universe in 12 weeks. Okay, we we want instant deliverance. We want to just, bam. We love the stories. You know, I was a drug addict. I, I came into church with a needle in my vein. And okay, I had, I had my bicep was tied, all tied up to pop it out. But man, Jesus came on me. I never did heroin again. We love those stories. And here's the truth. We've had those stories at City Harvest Church. We had a guy come into one of our prophetic assemblies. He had been on meth for 26 years. He got touched by the presence of God and never touch meth again. Those are wonderful stories. But how many of us know that many of us have other types of stories where we're struggling just to stay away maybe from some other minor substance and it's been a battle to get over that thing or an attitude or you know an, a, a thought process or an emotional issue or you know relational conflicts that just don't seem to work out things we don't always happen fast. We want quick transformation. And all the wives wish that was true with their husbands. Amen? We want quick transformation. Sometimes it's slow. It's progressive. Sue and I have been married 42 years. We're still dealing with each other's carnality. I mean, I wish, sometimes I said, we should have it together by now. We have enough fights under our belt where we have dealt with each other's carnality, that we should have it together now. And we don't. We still work through these things. And I'm praying all the time for Sue to be transformed. (laughs) We want success out of the gate, right out of the gate. We don't have the patience of small beginnings. There's even, if you want to start a church, there's an organization that will loan you a bunch of money, as long as the sending church co-signs to it. They'll give you a 50,000, 100,000, depending on what your, you know, your, their success rate they think you are. And they'll give you all the advertisements and the principles of how to just have a launch, what they call the launch. You're launching the church. And I know people have had 400 people on their first day of their church just show up. Well, the problem is, as a pastor who's pastored a long time, uh, I don't know if that's success, having 400 people on my first day of the church. I got 400 people, I don't know what they believe. Okay, I have 400 people who probably are ticked off with their pastors. Okay, now I'm thinking, I have a revival going on. I may or I may be setting the stage for my own crucifixion. Okay, I mean, it's just not like it's, not like it's instant success. I mean, a bunch of individuals, okay, they need to become an individual church. That takes a lot of work. Trust me. Okay, for us to get on the same page, to move in the same direction, move, and we want instant everything. It's growth. We want instant finances. I'll never forget, right before I got married, an old man sat me down in his house and he had some nice possessions and it was a nice, I would call it a middle-class, upper middle-class house. And he said to me, Bob, listen to me. It took me my whole life to accumulate all these possessions. You know what we want? I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. And uh, one of the nice things about being older is you have less bills and you usually have more money. Okay. And sometimes you even have more time on your hands. I, I've noticed a lot of things happen to me in my older age. I just don't care about some things. I mean, just, I'll just let that go. I'm going to go take Sue out to dinner. You know, just, you just kind of do those things because they don't really matter at the end. So we want everything fast. So let's break the parable down. What are the parts of this parable? First, we have, of course, we talked about the yeast. And so we'll get back to that. And the second is this, that the yeast is mixed in flour in this parable. It's, he uses the word hid, but really it means mixed in the flower. You know, the Bible is only so good, okay, you got to do a few things. You got to mix it with a few things. Hebrews 4.2 says the word, the promise did not profit the children of Israel when they're going into the promised land because they didn't mix that promise with faith. This Bible does no good if I don't believe in it. Just no good if I don't receive it as the word of God. It does no good if I don't embrace it and work it into my life. I have to do that. Bible also says I got to mix it with a thing called obedience. And I got my NET Bible here. I love this, the New English Translation. Notice how it says James one twenty-two. It says this. It says, but be sure you live out the message and do not merely listen to it and so deceive yourself. You know, I have to mix something in that flower called Living out the message that I'm hearing, I got to put it to practice. I got to do it, not just hear it. The third is this: as we said before, it's a great amount of flour. Here's 25 pounds. Good for weightlifting, bad for baking. I just baked my first. Didn't even bake it yet. We'll bake it this afternoon. My grandchildren are going to get to sample it. Okay, but I'm going. I I I made my first basically, you know, roll of dough. Okay, there you go. That, that took, this is three and a half cups of flour. That's what, that's what made up this lump. You say, it looks like it, Bob. Okay, okay, hold your criticism to yourself. But Jesus said, man, three and a half cups. I'm talking 432 cups. Man, the Great Commission's a big one. Almost impossible. I want you to go Big. I want you to go big about your life. I want you to go big about the vision for the church. I want you to go big and believe in about miracles. I want you to go big on what I can do. It may not happen overnight, but start thinking and going big. It's a great amount of flour Jesus is talking about. And the fourth is this. It spreads throughout the flour. Interesting. How does this little stuff here called dry yeast, well, this is active yeast, Active yeast. How does this work in this bread supposedly to make it rise? Mine hasn't risen yet. Why, Bob? Well, one, you've got to have some heat. And one of the things you don't find around our house is you don't find heat in the winter. And you don't find air conditioning in the summer. So he doesn't want to waste electricity. But we we need a little more heat to raise that up. But this causes it to rise. You know what it does? It... it, it, it Basically, it releases carbon dioxide. It's like a balloon filling with air. You blow into it, that carbon dioxide is increased, and all of a sudden the bread starts puffing up like a balloon. At least that's the theory was what this was supposed to happen on my virgin voyage of being a bread maker. But I have great faith in what's going to happen today. So it, it will rise. Now, when I was a, a young husband, and I didn't know much at the age of 23 about anything, let alone baking. Stu, so, being a wonderful young wife, it was the day before Thanksgiving, it was two days before Thanksgiving, I was gonna have a party for my public school class bringing them cinnamon rolls and she was gonna bless my class with that and she made this dough uh, to, I don't know, we're gonna make a ton of cinnamon rolls for my class. And she did it about six o'clock and we went to a Bible study and got home about nine o'clock and in a bowl like this, that dough didn't rise at all. And, you know, how do people know that young wives cry? They, they cry a lot. Young wives do, because partly because of their husbands. Okay, that's why they cry a lot. But, and so I wanted to comfort my wife. It's okay, honey, it'll be good. You know, I'm sure these are going to be delicious. It didn't rise at all. And, and we went to bed, and, and I was I was so full of faith for miracles in, in those days. I was laying hands on anything for every purpose. And, and uh, you know, she went to bed, and... I laid my hands on that dough. I said, in the name of Jesus, rise, rise. (laughs) And uh, I said, I'm going to help this out. Maybe if I put it in the refrigerator, it will help. And so if you know it needs a certain temperature to rise, (laughs) 39 degrees is not it. I put it in the refrigerator. It didn't rise in a normal temperature. Sure, not going to rise in the refrigerator (laughs) because I think I'm helping it. But uh, I go to bed, and I'm so excited that God's going to do a miracle. I remember getting up about 3 in the morning, and tiptoeing to the refrigerator, and opening it up. And you know what? That dough blew up like a giant like, like a giant balloon. It was huge. And uh, in the morning, we had tons of, of dough all ready to bake, and we made cinnamon rolls. I remember going to school, and I was just declaring to people, these are not normal cinnamon rolls. These are miraculous cinnamon rolls. These cinnamon rolls have been made by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. You're eating heavenly food right now. I was, I was so pumped, but uh, it, you know one thing about yeast is it spreads and causes to rise. Now, so let's talk about yeast as a symbol because some think you can think that that this symbol of yeast can only be used in a negative context because Jesus spoke negatively about it. Uh, the feast of Passover, you don't eat you don't eat yeast and bread. Because when they got delivered out of Egypt on the event of the Passover, they had to skedaddle out of Egypt. They didn't have time for the bread to sit around and rise. So they left with unleavened bread. Now, Paul, taking that principle that they celebrate with unleavened bread, he said in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he said, when talking about moving sin out of the church, he said, purge out the old yeast. In other words, it speaks of Wrong doctrine, wrong behavior, okay, uh, wrong, wrong things happening in a church that need to be purged out, church discipline, for God to move by his spirit in that church. And so people think it's a it, it's symbol of negative, it's a negative symbol. So they, they look at this parable saying what this really speaks of is mixture in the church, mixture in teaching, mixture in, in the opposition of the world against the church. And that's how they would look at that. However, yeast is not always looked at as negatively in the Bible. For instance, on the, the Feast of Pentecost, they would wave these bread loaves before the Lord in and, and starting the festival. They would wave it as a Thanksgiving offering. It was full of yeast. It was part of that. The peace offering... When you offered up grain to God, it was with yeast that you offered it up because a Thanksgiving should be joyful. It could be something that doesn't have absence of stuff. It wants to be full flavor and full blessing. That's what Thanksgiving is. So it is a positive, it can be a positive symbol. I'm going to take this in a broad application. And I am going to say yeast, based on things I've studied and other people who are smarter than me on this, that he speaks of the work of the Word and the Spirit in the, in the believer, in your life and in my life, in the church, both local, come on, City Harvest Church, and universal, the church at large. It's the increase of the work of the Spirit in the church. And lastly, it's the increase of the work of the Spirit and the Word in the earth. And so I think it can be applied. I think it's a truth that can be applied to all. Three, And I I take this to have a little bit broader application because I'm thinking of what it would be like to be a common person listening to parables in Jesus and what I would understand them to be. It would be a truth that God will take this and he would put it into this and he would produce this. Okay, so that's what I'm going to think. And so I'm going to keep my hermeneutics pretty simple on this this application. It'll work in my life, your life, our church other churches and in the earth not just the church. So, what are the characteristics of yeast and bring in bringing this home? Okay? And what truth does it reveal to us about God and the way that he works? Remember, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is how God works in your life. This is how God works in my life. Well, I got 10 of them here. Real quickly and I'm done. Here it is. It's a foreign substance. This Yeast is not the same as this flower. They're not the same. They're two different substances. The well, Holy Spirit is someone outside of me. There's me, Bob, born to a World War II GI, married a Croatian coal miner's daughter, okay, in 1947, and, and out came me in 1954. Okay, crazy kid mostly Eastern European. I got some type of English in me. You never know because my grandfather changed his name way back in 1926. So I I don't know what I am. But uh, here's the issue. Here's the issue. That's me. Kid that had a lot of hurts and weird and unique and quirky that she married. Okay, that's me. But the Holy Spirit is someone else. Yeast is not flour. It will influence flour, but it's not flour. And someone came into my life on 1976 on march 12th and that person that came in me came into me that person that came to me came on me and that person who came to me works through me okay it's a it's the anointing the anointing i say this so many times in me are two different people it's so important sometimes you're you don't want to listen to the Spirit because you think you're unworthy or you're struggling with a failure or you've come, you're have you frustrated with yourself and life. God's still going to work through you. It's not your decision when God moves through you. You say, oh, I'm in a perfect mood now, God. I'm full of faith now, God. I'm having an A day today, God. But God said, I wanted to move through you yesterday when you're having a bad day and a D day. Okay, that's when I wanted to move. You didn't listen to me. No, 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 I wasn't worthy then. Well, you're not worthy today either. You just feel good. They're two different people. The second thing about, about yeast is this, is it exists apart from flour. It has to be added. You know, this doesn't come. I don't come. I mean, you probably do have ready-made flour that already has yeast in it. Someone told me today, why well, my wife makes one-hour bread. Well, that's nice. This is the first time I've ever made bread. And I still haven't made it yet. I'm only halfway through the journey I'm preaching to you. I will tell you next week what happened when we ate this the tonight. Well, it's Bob's digestive week, and say, we'll see what happens. It exists apart from the flour, it's got to be added to it. I have to receive the Spirit of God into my life. I got to ask God to give me the fullness of the Spirit, I got to yield to the work of the Spirit. Sometimes he wants me to die to myself. Sometimes he wants me to crucify my passions. Sometimes he wants me to change my thinking. Sometimes he wants me to say something to somebody. Sometimes he wants me to pray for certain people. Sometimes he wants me to call people. Sometimes he said, Bob, stop. I want you to go read your Bible. I got to be open to the spirit of God, what he wants to do in me, what he wants to say to me. I got to receive him. I got to submit to him. Come on, it's something that's added to my life and added to your life. The third factor, the third truth about yeast is it must be worked into the flour. Of course, this is when we get into the fun stuff that's called kneading. Now, I'm not talking about kneading, young people, N-E-E-D-I-N-G, like I, I really need a hamburger right now. Yeah, I'm not talking about kneading something. I'm talking about an old-fashioned English word called kneading. K N E A D I N G. There you go. Look it up. Okay. Well, kneading's when you, when you kind of take this flour, that's got a little yeast on it, and you gotta kind of smash it, as my wife would say. You gotta kind of put your palms in it. You gotta push it forward. You gotta flatten it. You gotta kind of fold it up. You gotta really mix this thing. Come on, kid. Doing, you're stretching the gluten strands so the bread will rise more, and you're working that yeast into this thing and you're folding it up. How many people know that the Word of God has to be worked into me? How many people know that I got to grow in the Spirit? Sometimes we should ask this question Do I need more of the Spirit, or does the Spirit need more of me? You know, all of a sudden, you just kind of like, I only gave you a quarter of myself? Is that what Jesus is telling you? You keep praying, I'll give you half of myself. Keep praying more, I'll give you three quarters of myself. Maybe what we got to do is allow the Spirit is in me to have more of me. It's got to work in me. The Word of God, it's got to change my thinking, my confession, my priorities, yeah I gotta I gotta move this thing gotta mix this thing it's got to be mixed into my life We'll fix it later so I got my little kit here so I washed my hands I had everything prepared It's got to be mixed the word of God will not do any good to you just reading it you got to you got to meditate make goals line up repentance isn't just when you got saved it's all the time change my thinking change my attitude the spirit is something someone you got to get to know more and more and you got to allow the voice of God to have access to every part of your life you know the issue the problem with Romans 12:1 is we're scared to do Romans 12:1 Really, you want me to present my body as a living sacrifice? That means that whatever Jesus says to me goes. Uh, We're kind of like the person when the police come to inspect the house. We need to search your house. You say, sure, come in, search my house. Just don't search my back bedroom. We want to always keep something back, you know, from being fully inspected. But if we're really going to allow... The yeast of the work of the Spirit of my life, it got I gotta open completely. And it's a scary venture. You know, yeast, yeast changes the nature of the flower. When I believe and I receive the Spirit of God into my life and I submit to the Spirit of God into my life, I become a different person. You know, we had a, a Zoom uh, community group here a week ago. And what was nice about Zoom, we were in Seattle at a kind of a family gathering. So, I, But I, from our hotel room, we were able to have our community group. That's the nice thing about Zoom. And uh, we were talking about Emmanuel, God being with us. And, you know, how has God been with you in your life? And that's what was questioned to, to our group. And there was a person in our group that said, you know, I'll tell you how I know Jesus has been with me, is that I am a different person. You know, sometimes we don't realize how different we are than when we first started. We really don't. We really don't see the growth in ourselves. We don't see the change in our heart. We don't see the change in our thinking. We just think we're the same old person because we're so aware and conscious of our humanity. We don't even see the growth that's taking place. And uh, I don't like, you know, sometimes thinking about what I was like in the past. I I don't like Sue reading my old love letters when I was in college. I, I don't like that person. That person repented. It's not the same person that she has today. She's got enough trouble with what she's got today, but definitely I'm not the person that I was back then. You know, one thing about the yeast is it spreads throughout the flower. You know, the word of God is gonna grow in our life. The spirit, is voice, his power, our our growth and our intimacy of the spirit will grow in our life. And uh, the gospel is gonna spread throughout You know, the earth, here's a statistic for you. The last hundred years, Christianity has tripled in population globally. The church has grown 300% globally in the last hundred years. What's going on? The yeast is spreading. We're going to be different people as a church. If we all make a commitment, we're all going to be pursuing the Bible. That's why we have, we pursue God. We pray, we fast, we worship. Come on, we 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 dig into the word. That's why that's why I teach a Bible class every trimester, okay, in the community groups. Okay, I teach the Bible every. I want everyone to learn the Bible. I'm record. I told I told Pete one of the things I'm going to gift the church. I'm going to have a. I'm going to record. I'm going to teach on every chapter of the Bible by a video recording. Before I die, there will be a part of the legacy of this church, so everyone can tap in. To Bible instruction. But we want to pursue the Bible. We want to pursue the work of the Spirit in our life. We say, God, more. Come on, everyone, say more. more. I want more, God. I want more of you working in my life. My prayer with Jesus when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit is this. I want to just share very, very intimately, really, with you. This is what I pray. I said, Lord, do not let me fall short of what you want to do through me. And, Lord, let me not be presumptuous to extend myself past what your will is. In other words, I don't want to sin either way. I don't want to fall short. I don't want to go beyond the direction of his spirit. I had a guy come in our church, wonderful prophet of God, but he was trying to get names of people, and he was missing it all over the place. So I talked with him. I said, man, you got a great gift. Don't stretch yourself in that area because you're extremely accurate here, and you're botching it over here. Just back up five degrees. I mean, I'm telling you, he's touching the world right now. I want to go not beyond, but I don't want to go below. That should be the cry of all of our hearts. Come on, we want, I, how many people want to know more about the Bible? Dig in, be hungry for the truth. This thing's got to spread throughout our life. As we're changed, it spreads into culture. When it changes the values of culture. Okay? But what, what our culture needs is not, I'm going to just say this. I'm a conservative. But what our culture needs is not a political party. Now, I believe in policies and all those things. What they need is we need to people to get born again. Yeah. People need to get born again. We, we get mad at people who we think you're not born again, but you got to think like a born-again believer. I never thought like a born-again believer when I wasn't born again. I thought like the people you don't like. <laughs> when I got saved, no one even congratulated me. Yay, Bob got saved. There was no sign up, welcome to the family. When I got saved, everybody knew me as a non-Christian challenged my salvation for the whole, a whole year. I Man, I want to study the Bible. Are you sure you're a Christian? Well, I asked the prayer, you know, and I you went, know, are you sure? Talk about not being received. Why? Because they didn't believe I could get saved. But what they didn't realize is I was different in my heart. It takes the work of a Holy Spirit, come on, to change the flower. It takes the word renewing the mind, change the flower. It works silently. I mean, you don't see much happening in my wonderful dough here. You know, you really don't see too much happening here. But I guarantee you, yeast is working as I speak. You don't think much is happening in your life, but i gonna guarantee you the Bible and the work of the Spirit is working in your life as we speak. You don't think God's doing much with maybe in the church, but I guarantee you God is always at work in the church. You know, you get appointments, appointment, someone comes in, Pastor, I'm leaving the church. I don't feel like the spirit's really moving here. Well, I don't know what to say. I, I feel like he is, but I respect you, and you belong to Jesus, not me, and we want to speak well of you, and you go, and we'll, if you come back, we will receive you as open arms. I'm always going to be your friend. That's our, that's our policy here. That's our attitude. Next appointment, pastor, I want you to know the elders prayed for me last Sunday and I had a tumor, went into the doctor on Wednesday, didn't know what happened, but it disappeared. But, you know, the the spirit wasn't moving. The spirit's always moving. Even in dry churches, the spirit's moving. Come on, he's always moving. He's moving where faith is, where people are hungry for God, with people he's trying to reach. He's always moving. You know what? He's moving in the hearts of the people you're trying to reach. Well, you don't know my friend. He's like an iceberg that won't melt. All right, but he, how do you know God's not working in his heart? These are not heathen, they're pre-Christians. They're, they're, they're not just sinners, they're sought out ones that God's seeking out. You know, Kevin and Tiffany have asked us to pray in Ramadan to bless the people, the Muslims of Central Asia. As they're seeking God with 30 days of fasting from sun up to sundown, that they're seeking God, that, that Jesus would reveal himself to them. I've been praying. I've been joining that prayer. That, Lord, release. The other day I had my hand on the mat. All those people celebrating Ramadan, they're fasting, and they don't know what they're seeking. Reveal yourself to them, Jesus. In their ignorance, open their eyes. In their, but with their heart, show them how much you love them and bring them to yourself, just like he did Cornelius. Come on, it works silently. It produces flavor. Ooh, I love to smell Christians. Come on, when you get bread going and things start rising, you know what it does? It starts. It starts converting starch into sugar. Sugar has an aroma, and things start smelling good in the kitchen. Come on, things are smelling good in you. I want people to smell me and you, and then we'll smell good because we we'll let the Spirit work in us. We we'll let the Word work in us. And we just smell good. There's just, just people I love to be around. They just they do something to me. just who they are. They do something to me. You know, one of my I have a lot of favorites in this church, about a thousand of them, but the person I really appreciate I love the aroma that comes out of her life is Kay Roberson, who was here for service. Kay comes from just horrible poverty. Horrible, horrible abuse. I mean, she is a statistic, a welfare statistic, but yet she has climbed out of so many things, and she's a widow, to the place where she has leadership in the mental health community. I mean, she, she, she addresses her health, and she goes on diets, and she loses weight, and she self-improves, and there's just, there's just something about Kay That lets off an aroma. When you're around her, you feel better about life. Well, we need to allow the Spirit of God to work through us. Of course, it's powerful. It's powerful. Causes bread to rise. I love elevations, the elevation song, graves into gardens. Well, he turns graves into gardens. Bones into armies that's what God does that's what yeast does it doesn't just cause things to rise it influences, changes, transforms it's the work of the spirit it's the work of the word and when we should be more inspired to read this word study this word more inspired to pray, more inspired to listen to God and obey dig in, I hate to fast I want you to know I hate to fast I love to eat Okay, give up some food Hey, let it be between you and Jesus how you do it. Crucify that flesh so you can have more of the Spirit of God. And let's let yeast just devour us. Amen.